Hi everyone, my name's Nicole. I'm Brenna. I'm Reed. And this is FitClick. This is a podcast where we talk about fan fiction. In a typical episode, the three of us will each individually bring a fic to talk about, but this is a very special episode because it is, let's get some high porns, Brenna's birthday! Read your high porns sound so small. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> They're not small looking at my waveforms, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> yes, we are so excited. It is Brenna's birthday. Um, and we've decided that for our birthday episodes this year, what we do is have the birthday host pick one fic for us to talk about. Um, to let us talk about some longer fic, we tend to keep our fics under 50k just for sake of making our episodes listenable. Um, but that means we don't get to talk about a lot of the longer fic that we read and love. So we thought that this would be a fun way to let us do that. Um, so that being said, Brenna, what have you brought for your very special birthday episode? Yes, thank you so much, Reed. Um, my pick for my birthday episode. <laughs> like a news anchor. Back yeah, to you, yeah. Brenna. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> my pick for my birthday episode um, is Dwelling by Adiomai. Um, this is a Harry Potter fic. It's a Harry Draco fic. In fact, unsurprising to um, every pretty much everyone who listens unless this is your first time listening to fit click oh hey welcome in which case welcome and oh wel- my gosh yeah hi um it's so nice to see you here and welcome to brenna's dreary corner um, a special place to be where i bring dreary fix to this podcast and force my co-hosts to read and enjoy them <laughs> <laughs> All right, before we actually get into my fic uh we're gonna do some fun little birthday activities as our intro which we decided about an hour ago. <laughs> Birthday mm-hmm. activities. <laughs> we are professional podcasters over here who um, have an ability to plan ahead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the first thing that we wanted to do in celebration of Brenna's trip around the sun is take a quiz <laughs> that we made a long time ago, and I have virtually no memory of it, uh, that's called, Are You Brenna in the Morning, Brenna in the Afternoon, or Brenna at Night? Uh, those are three distinct Brennas. Um, as someone who has <laughs> had the pleasure of knowing her for many years, I can confirm very different Brennas. Uh-huh. So I'm very excited to take this quiz. Uh, literally, this was made like over a year ago. And find out which Brenna I am. There are three questions, which I think is fun. <laughs> yeah. It's a very it's a very concise quiz. I thought there were more. I opened no. it and I was like, oh. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it was like our test run for something else, right? Yeah, because yeah. we were we wanted to make, um, and we have, if you go looking on our Twitter somewhere, it's there, a which fic click pick are you? But we hadn't used quiz before, so we made a little test quiz. And it's this, and I'm excited to rediscover it because I also remember nothing about it. Yeah. Uh, so we all have it pulled up, and we're going to go ahead and run through these three questions. And if you want to take this quiz, we'll post it as well. <laughs> so you can find out which <laughs> Brenna you are. Um, the first question reads, what time do you go to bed? The options are 11 p.m., 3 a.m., and 7 a.m. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm going to go for 11 p.m. personally. 
I'm going to go for 3 a.m. just because that has been what my past week has looked like. And also generally, I think I'm I'm closer to the 3 a.m. than I am to the 11 p.m. So that feels mm-hmm. right. Yeah, I'll also go with the 3 a.m. Um, I think since I actually have like a job and stuff, I can't be 7 a.m. these days. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do have to like be a functional human during like daylight hours. Um, but yeah, 3 a.m. feels like a solid choice for how my life has been going in the past few months. There was a time, though, where you were consistently going to bed around, like, 5 to 7 a.m., and it was a little bit frightening, to be honest. Yeah. No, it's definitely frightening. I think if left completely alone without really any sense of, like, societal obligations, um, I will just become nocturnal. Like, this has happened during, like, school breaks before when I didn't have anything going on, um, or earlier this year when I did not have a job and did not leave the house because of COVID, so... The next question is a classic U-Quiz question. Which Taylor Swift lyric makes your heart go sad face? Um, Here are the options. Um, I'm not going to sing them because (laughs) it's not for me. (laughs) Nick, if you want to sing them, you're welcome (laughs) to. I don't think the figlets want that. (laughs) Um, Option one is, I love you. Ain't that the worst thing you've ever heard? Option two is, you don't know about me, but I'll bet you want to. (laughs) Option three... (laughs) Option three is he's the reason for the teardrops on my guitar. Option four is remember when we couldn't take the heat? I walked out. I said, I'm setting you free. But the monsters turned out to be just trees. When the sun came up, you were looking at me. And option five is can't turn back now. I'm haunted. (laughs) Nick, what's your choice? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I'm going to pick I love you. Ain't that the worst thing you've ever heard? Yeah, yeah, that seems about like what I would expect you to choose. <laughs> Thank Reed? you. Oh, that was gonna be my pick, but um, wow. in the effort to do something different, um, I'll go for the monsters turned out to be just trees when the sun came up. You were looking at me. Okay, nice. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that this makes my heart go frowny face, but I think I'm the reason why this was put in here. <laughs> so I will choose. Can't turn back now. I'm haunted. It is my favorite Taylor Swift song. Excellent. Um, all right. I forgot what question three was. (laughs) All right, Reed, you want to try and explain this one to people in an audio medium? Uh, Oh, my God. Sorry, the pause and all of us bursting into laughter because none of us (laughs) remembered what this was. Yes, okay. (laughs) So question three, unfortunately, is which photo do you most resonate with? And there are three photos of us. And... I'm going to do my best to explain these. Um, You got it. The first one is me. Um, I am at a Los Angeles museum, The Broad, um, and I am in front of a large statue that looks like a balloon dog imitating the shape of the dog, and I am doing this because I was mimicking a photo from BTS's J-Hope. So that's me. The second photo is uh, Brenna. I took this photo. We were on the Indiana Jones ride uh, at Disneyland, the lighting is, like, a vivid red-orange. Um, Brenna is holding the wheel of a car, a fake car, the, the little seat that um, that we were in for the ride. And mm-hmm. she's slightly out of focus and making an expression <laughs> of slight mania. Um, eyes wide, yeah. mouth open. Yeah. <laughs> is it fear? Is it I excitement? It we don't really know. Be, like terror but it's like it's um the blur (laughs) the motion blur really adds to it (laughs) the motion blur and the like really aggressive lighting um yeah the energy of this one is strong (laughs) (laughs) um and the last one is nick 
quite nice in comparison, honestly. Um, oh, thank you. It is Nick in cosplay as Vacation Angus, who's Vacation Angus, you might ask. Not totally a canon <laughs> character. Um, it's Angus McDonald from The Adventure Zone, but uh, Nick's version of what he would look like if he went on vacation. Um, if he were It's a really jorts. nice sort of like headshot with portrait mode on. The background is blurry. Um, overall, honestly, much less cursed than me and Brenna, which is kind of surprising. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I feel like usually I'm less cursed, so. All right, I'm picking myself. I know that I should pick myself on principle, and I will for the sake of variety, but know in my heart that I'm picking Brenna. <laughs> yeah, I'm picking myself. I'm sorry. The energy is just, it's how I feel inside, like, 24-7. All right, what results did everyone get? Nick, do you want to go first? Okay, sure. I got Brenna in the afternoon. You're either currently wandering the aisles of Target, or you are in the Target parking lot looking at your phone. Wow, if only... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I miss a Target parking lot. <laughs> yeah. I'm Bren at night, um, and it says, You are crying over the untamed. This is just where you live now. Accept it. I am also Bren at night, which is the correct answer. I think the only way you can get Bren at morning is if you pick 7 a.m. as your um, bedtime, which none of us Oh, pick. true. <laughs> I forgot we did that. Because <laughs> technically in the morning... <laughs> You don't have to have lunch yeah. to <laughs> Bren yeah. in the morning is like asleep. <laughs> yeah, Bren in the morning is a is a five percent like um how your results compare to others. We have forty seven percent Bren in the afternoon, forty seven percent Bren at night, five percent Bren in the morning. So not popular. I don't actually think that uh-huh. math adds up right, but you know what, you quiz you're doing your best. Close enough. <laughs> wow. Well, that was an adventure. I'm not surprised that we each got the answers that we did. That was fun because I truly did not remember that quiz at all. So coming across that last question was delightful. (laughs) Yeah, that was (laughs) the last question is powerful. The Taylor Swift lyrics crack me up. I really wonder what was associated with which. I have no idea. (laughs) Like he's the reason for the teardrops on my guitar. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, All right. So for our second little birthday activity, which we came up with about an hour and a half ago as we were sitting here planning for this episode, um, we are all going to come up with short uh, ideas, concepts for AO3 fics that I would bookmark. Okay, so um, for me, the fic that I came up with that I would bookmark if it existed on AO3, um, it's a trope that I really loved in hockey fandom but haven't really seen anywhere else, which is like post-retirement someone writes a memoir and like it causes a big uproar but I want it to be for um NCT Johnny (laughs) 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 so I want future fic canon divergent after like NCT disbands in the future Johnny writes a memoir it like has some like stuff that the public didn't know about and like bring some of them back together um like in a good way but also in kind of a like here's some unresolved stuff we never dealt with when we were a band kind of way um Honestly, if it's because it's me, it'd probably be Johnny Mark, but, like, it could be another pairing as well, and I would still happily bookmark it, I think. I really just want, like, that concept. I, I miss those fics. I want another one. <laughs> Hell yeah. Mine has some similar themes, I think. As Bren said, we came up with this concept, like, a little over an hour ago, and I spent most of that hour making dinner, so I only have very, mm-hmm. very few notes for this. Okay, so my proposed fic that I hope Brenna would want to bookmark, the fandom is One Direction, RPF. The pairing is Niall Harry. The tags are canon compliant, future fic, friends to enemies to lovers, sexuality. Um, <laughs> sexuality. I couldn't, like, I didn't want to say coming out because I don't think that's quite what the fic mm. is, but I couldn't figure mm. out how to tag that. So it's just sexuality for now. I'm workshopping I love it. that. 
Okay. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> uh, so obviously it's post the one D breakup. Here's sort of what I had. Niall is queer. I don't know that he puts a label on it. And he's always been like very sure of himself. So he actually came out to all of the other members like pretty young. I, here's the problem. I wasn't in 1D fandom. So like I, I don't know how to give this the context or the weight that it probably needs, but that's fine. At some point when they're young, Niall comes out. Harry has a bad reaction to it, but like whatever, they gloss over it. Um, now it's in the future and like it's post 1D. They're all doing their thing. Uh, Harry is Harry. And, you know, he won't say anything directly. And, like, Niall had asked him a couple of times and he, like, won't come out or, like, won't say anything about, like, how he feels. And he's always, like, kind of weird and touchy around Niall. So that creates some tension. Um, they run into each other in L.A. at some point, And it, like, was fine at first. And then it goes really ugly. I think they almost hook up, but they don't. Um, again, still workshopping. Then, for bullshit fic reasons, they have to come back together for a 1D reunion. Um, do not ask me if Zayn is in this fic or not. I did not have the time to plan in where, what he would be doing. So, like, we're not worrying about it. Um, anyway, they have to come back together. And it's, like, obviously super fraught between Niall and Harry. And, like, the note that I have that I think feels maybe, like, pointed for Brenna, well, there's two, is uh, the thing that fucks Harry up is that Niall doesn't try to be anyone other than who he is. And Harry is always trying to present six different versions of himself at once and not fully succeeding in any of them. Um, and also... At one point, they, like, definitely have some kind of fucked up and angry sex while at this, whatever the fuck this reunion is. Mm -hmm. um, presumably, it resolves itself into something that is, like, if not, like, super happy ending. Like, it doesn't end, like, unhappily. But it's, like, fraught for a while. Harry needs to get his shit together. Niall's just sort of, like, vibing as he is. Um, yeah. That's my proposed pick for you, Brenna. Reed, I'm livid that this doesn't exist, you know, right? <laughs> Yes, absolutely bookmarked. I need this in my life. That's a perfect fic. Thank you. You're welcome. I went in a very different direction. Uh, I took a risk. So this fic would be tagged mm -hmm. for the fandoms Star Trek and The Untamed. Um, and it's a fic where... Okay. Yeah. It's a fic where Captain James Kirk is essentially, by some weird universe magic, dropped into the canon of The Untamed. And he soul bonds with... The, the canon of it. Yeah, the canon of it. Uh -huh. Okay. And he soul bonds with Lun Wangji. So um, <laughs> they have to be close together. Thankfully, because it's Star Trek, he has one of those like language things. So he can like understand everything. Um, and they form a bond. And it's one of those things where like the closer you are, like the less pain there is. So they're like really close to each other. And also sometimes they wink wonk uh, just to feel a little better. Um... And they teach each other about like different kinds of leadership and it's actually like despite this whack premise is like super well written and extremely tender um and then at the end jim does have to leave and go back uh but he had this beautiful experience with lan wangji and there's a hint in the epilogue that they are able to reunite on their own terms in the future wow um i can easily say that that was not what i was expecting <laughs> But I would you bookmark it? Kind of what I was expecting, like it's a lot of the tropes that like I love, and like a thick premise I've kind of uh -huh. talked about wanting before. Mm -hmm. That's I hadn't even thought about what re <laughs> what Nick just said. Um, would I bookmark it? I mean, that's a good question. Hmm. I'm not gonna say I wouldn't bookmark it, but I think <laughs> I can't Im as immediately say I would bookmark it. Sure. Like I think I see. Some hints that I think would be, could make for a compelling fic, but it's mm -hmm. also 
kind of messing with my head because I feel like those, like the pairings I read for Star Trek and and the Untamed are kind of so set for me. Mm-hmm. But I think if it got hype from like people I follow on like yeah. Twitter and stuff, I'd at least give it a shot. And then if it was well written, there's a solid chance I would bookmark it. Excellent. I'm counting That's this my, as a win. Um, review. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, all things considered. <laughs> so with all of this discussion of alternate universes and potential fix, I don't think that we ever really stop to think about the possibility that the reality that we're living in might not be as firm as we thought. Brenna, tell us more about that in the discussion of your fic. Alright, so like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, um, my pick for this week, and it's the only pick because it's my birthday episode, <laughs> is a fic called Dwelling by ADOMI. Um, like we mentioned, we are doing slightly longer fics uh, for these episodes, or at least we're allowed to choose longer fics than we usually do. So this is an 83k fic. Um, not like the longest thing on earth, but definitely over what we usually sort of cap our fic picks at. Alright, so since this is a Harry Potter fic and we haven't done one of those in a little while, um, we did just want to kind of make a quick statement regarding Harry Potter and J.K. Rowling. Um, I'm sure that this will not come as a surprise to any of you who follow our podcast, um, but we just kind of want to put out there that we unequivocally do not agree with her or the uh, views and opinions that she's expressed. In general, across the board, we denounce transphobia. This is not J.K. Rowling's only issue, but it is the one that she has been the loudest about, particularly last year in 2020. Um, that being said, we do still plan to engage with some of the transformative fan works like this fic um, and parts of what's created out of the fandom. Um, I and I think my co-hosts view these fandom spaces and the work that fans are doing to create transformative works as separate um, from the original source content or the views and opinions of the person who made it. Um, So we will still be engaging with those spaces. I think there's some really incredible stuff that's being done by fans, and a lot of that does actually push back against J.K. Rowling's views and beliefs as well. So we will be engaging with those, but um, just wanted to put that out there and make it clear that we do not support her and will not be engaging directly with anything that she does in the future. All right, so with that piece of business out of the way, we're going to get into discussing this fake, which we absolutely did love and support. Um, I am going to be giving a sort of brief summary of the fic for the sake of discussion, um, but I will just say, if this fic sounds of interest to you, if you like reading dreary fic, if you don't like reading dreary fic, but you might want to read this one, um, go read it now and then come listen to our discussion because uh, I think it's still worth reading if you know what happens, but it hits so much harder if you haven't. Um, There's a big twist in the middle that's so good. It's one of the reasons I picked this fic. It's one of the reasons it was one of my favorite fics of last year. And like, yeah, just cannot highly recommend it enough, especially without knowing how the plot plays out. Um, Also going to give some content warnings before we get into the summary. Um, the big ones are that they, like, Harry and Draco do hook up when they are underage. They're the same age. It's in their, like, later years at Hogwarts. They're, like, in their late teens. Um, it's all consensual, but I just, just want, I did just want to put that out there. Um, and the other one is sort of more for, like, canon, trauma, violence, stuff like that. That's all dealt with in this fic. Um, some of it is kind of, like, relived a bit by them. Um, so I just want to put that out there, but it's nothing that would be surprising if you're familiar with, like, the series. Um, there's also some other things that we're going to get into more like with the summary and discussion, but they're not, those are the big content warnings. 
All right. Um, so this is where, again, where you should stop listening right now if you want to <laughs> read this fic, because I'm about to tell you what happened. Pew, 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 pew. Pew, 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 Spoiler horns. Spoiler horns. <laughs> okay. I think to start this out, I just kind of want to read you both the summary and the chapter one summary of this fic, because they're they're so good, and then I'll get into what actually happens in it. But the summary for the whole fic says, Curses, James and Lily Potter ride again, several ministry balls, a teenage summer of love, a grim young adult dystopian winter, a few different Draco Malfoys, secrets, and the problems regarding not having any, alternate lives, impossible lives, real lives, allusions to dirty dancing, and just because it's not called the Mirror of Erised doesn't mean that you shouldn't know better. Um, which is such a good summary. Uh. Um, it's usually Nick, like, geeking out about fic summaries, but this time it's me. Um, don't make that face at me, you know what I mean. <laughs> You're pigeonholing me as a geek this week? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, every week something new. <laughs> um, Nick's label of the week. And then the chapter one summary reads, Harry's mom always gives the best advice, except when she didn't want him to make friends with Draco Malfoy. This is not an AU. Um, which, uh, it's... It sets everything up so well. And the thing about this fic is I, so I read that and I was like, okay, cool. Because generally I don't read the fic that's like an sort of alternate retelling of Harry Potter. There's a lot of fics like that out there and I have tried some, but they're just generally not for me. Um, but I love this author. So I was like, okay, gotta give this a shot. Um, and this was actually like at the beginning of quarantine when I was just like in a big dreary rabbit hole of like needing to read comfort fic. So I was like, okay, we're going to give it a shot. Like I've loved their other stuff. Uh, and then you start reading it and it starts from the beginning of first year at Hogwarts and it reads like an AU. Um, Harry's still a Gryffindor, but his parents are alive. He is not the chosen one. Neville is. Um, he's best friends with Ron, but Hermione isn't really in their friend group. She's, uh, best friends with Neville and they're off being busy doing all of the things that Harry did in the original series and saving the world. Um, Harry and Ron instead befriend Draco. Uh, who Harry actually kind of already knew pre-Hogwarts from, like, these summer vacations where they'd kind of uh, encountered each other. Um, but, like, it's Draco in the bathroom with the troll that Ron and Harry save him from, and that kind of cements their friendship as, like, a little trio. It progresses from there throughout, like, the basically the events of the first seven books, but written a bit differently because of those changes. Um there's a bunch of things that are kind of allusions to the original books um, and, like, what happened in them and then other things that have been tweaked. Um, it definitely kind of sidelines Harry as, like, a main character of Harry Potter, but it's not it's not Harry Potter anymore, really. Um, not the series that, like, we've all read. Um, and then towards the end, it, like, goes beyond. Uh, Harry and Draco get together during these chapters. Um, and it starts to, like, kind of play out, like, the rest of their lives together a little bit. Like, they are living together. They get married. They have a kid. Um, but it starts getting, like, fractured and weird. And Draco starts to kind of have these moments where he's like, none of this is right. This isn't real. Um, and then they wake up. I feel like you hear, or at least I heard in, like, my creative writing classes, like, you know, like, one of the most cliche things you can do is, like, and it was all a dream, except this fic mm -hmm. is like, what mm -hmm. if I took that idea and then made it so fucking good? <laughs> yeah, exactly. What if it because was all like, a that's dream? That's not where it ends. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, if it like, ended there, the I think ending... that would be... I don't think we'd well, be talking about this. I don't, know. <laughs> no, I don't know how I would feel about that if it just ended. No, I don't think so. <laughs> That'd be so sad. But the thing is, like, 
that's not even not only is that not the end that's like not even really the main part of the story that's nope. all kind of a preface to then what happens in the later chapters like that's the first two out of six chapters that is this kind of alternate dream universe and they wake up and they're back at hogwarts and it seems like it's maybe it's like eighth year but it seems like maybe there was a year in between kind of also spent rebuilding stuff so i'm putting them about 20 when they wake up um and everything like falls to bits because Harry and Draco still completely remember this universe in which they were together and happy and they made the right choices. And even though things were messy, like it all ended up okay. And and Draco was a hero too. And like he made the right choice and Harry had his parents and everything was good and no one died in the war. Um, and yet they're living this life of, of not that at all where they hate each other. Um, and like, once they wake up, it's it's just, like, it's so messy and so involved and neither of them can kind of get this alternate universe out of their head because they lived it and it's all up there in their minds. Um, and it's it's about them trying to, like, figure out if the curse is still affecting them. Hermione's trying to figure out the magic, what happened, who did this, uh, how to really break it, what were they going for. But at the same time, it's Harry and Draco trying to figure out, like how to live back in this world when they've lived this whole alternate life together. Um, yeah, in my notes, I wrote one note that was like, can you believe that this fic has every dreary trope I love? Me either. <laughs> <laughs> because it truly is just like all of the things that I like about not only their relationship, but how fic authors like interpret the world, what they gravitate to, what they like develop on and explore more. It's all packed in here. And I was like, honestly, if there's any time to be extremely on my bullshit, it's my birthday episode. And this fic is me doing that. So yeah, that's the summary. Um, I'll get into more reasons why I absolutely love this fic later. But first, I'm curious to hear what my co-hosts thought. It was okay. Eh. Okay. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us on Fitflick. <laughs> oh, Jesus. No, I had so many bodily reactions reading this fic. I cannot believe the journey this podcast has taken me from why would anyone ship dreary to like a, a drearist? Is that what people call it? <laughs> I think you can just call yourself no a dreary truther. A, a drearite. Okay. We are, we are all here, Dreary Truthers. <laughs> Dreary Truther. Okay, fine. Yeah, just like holy guacamole, as they say. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Who says that? A Our lot of parents? <laughs> not mine. I mean, not, not mine. mine either, but like. Yeah, speak for yourself, Reed. <laughs> yeah, my parents have never said that, but I don't think anyone my age has ever Not said yet. that either, so... <laughs> hey, one time... Nick okay, can I just say one time, this is unrelated to um, this fic. I was driving with my mom when I was, like, 17 one time. I had just gotten my license, like, six months prior. And as I was turning a corner in my small neighborhood, another car was coming, like, almost on the wrong side of the road, straight towards us. Um, and... Thankfully, no, no one hit each other. Everything was fine. But in the heat of it, I yelled, whoa, Nellie. Um, and as soon as we were fine, my mom was like, what? She was like, I didn't teach you to speak like that. So my last words were almost, whoa, Nellie. That's so sad. Yeah, I mean, they weren't. I'm fine. Yeah, but yeah, thank I live another day to say things like, holy guacamole. Okay. Uh, but yeah, hey, I really like this fic uh jesus christ uh it's it's momentum the structure of it the 
specific like semantic structuring of it and the way in which like every single word was needed and useful there just is like a ridiculous amount to love about this fic i feel like this podcast sometimes allows me to like experience only the best of a fandom <laughs> like every harry potter fic i've read is a banger i've only ever read fics for this show <laughs> i have never in my life been like hmm what if i read a harry potter fic like never once that has never crossed my mind i've never felt a desire to but every time friend is like ah and i'm like ah so i guess like i think that's probably arguably the best way to do it just my opinion mm-hmm. it's like a glory tour of the fandom's greatest works um, and I would absolutely consider this one of them. I have not ever read a fic like this before, and I think that pretty much everything it set out to do, it did, and it did extremely well. So I'm really excited to talk about some more specifics of that and like geek out about the way in which like structure and formatting and like tiny linguistic choices make such a big difference in an eighty thousand word fic. <laughs> mm-hmm. This fic made me feel like I was slowly losing my mind, but I was thankful for it. When I started reading it, I had a weird sort of sensation because like Brenna, I have in the past read some sort of like Harry Potter retellings, but it's been many, many, many years. Um, And so I would not have thought that kind of thing would appeal to me. And I had seen the note that was like, this is not, or yeah, this is not an AU. Um, But first of all, this author did such a good job of making that alternate universe compelling um Mm -hmm. and then as the fic started just unraveling so did my brain and like my general well-being oh my god i also this was probably aided by the fact that the bulk of the time that i was reading it was between like 1 to 3 45 in the morning um i don't think that helped me feel any less feral but like honestly it was a good experience um i also i could not stop laughing because every so often I would get a line or, like, you'd get, like, a reveal of information. And I was like, Brenna could not have picked a more on-brand choice if she tried. I mean, I know she picked this for her birthday episode. But, like, I was like, Jesus Christ, did she ever pack in, like, this is the Brenna brand? This fig is in Brenna's bookmarks. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> this fig was so masterfully done. Like, it was so deft and... Oh my god. It I think it had really high ambitions and as Nick said it like fully achieved them and also just made me feel feral. I'm trying to find like uh coherent or like really like good things to say about this fic because I think it is phenomenal. But instead, I just sort of want to sit here and go ah for the next like 30 minutes. Can I offer a suggestion, Reed? Yes, please. Sometimes when you don't know what to say and you have a lot of emotion, one of the best ways to get it out is by saying holy guacamole because then you uh, I'm really gonna, i'm gonna pass on that one thanks okay maybe later okay if you need it okay keep it in your back I'll, I'll keep it I'll, yeah exactly okay okay so one of the things that i wanted to talk about with this fic that's like happens pretty early on it's like my first notes in my um kind of massive notes document on this fic um is about how it introduces us to the changes that it makes um in this sort of alternate universe uh dream curse world that they're inhabiting um i think like in some of the other fics i've read where harry and draco are in another kind of alternate uh canon divergent universe whether that be just a the fic is a retelling of Harry Potter or whether it's a situation somewhat similar to this one where they're in like a dream world or a curse world or something like that. Um, and their lives are altered or one of them is, um, 
I think sometimes it reads like the author feels the weight of us all knowing the Harry Potter canon really well and then has to kind of justify their decisions and their changes to us, the reader. Um, And this one didn't feel like that at all. It just made the changes and you're just in it from the first moments of this fic. You're you are responsible for keeping track of the changes and of what happened. And it's not going to apologize for any decision that it makes. Um, and I just really like that it doesn't waste time trying to justify what it's doing to us. Uh, and the changes are so clever and they work so well. And the the pacing for this beginning is so fast. You're just gripped right into it. And you only kind of see the most crucial moments um, of these years between them. And... One, I think that was a really smart storytelling decision in terms of getting the audience or, like, the readers really invested really quick. Um, but it also has really interesting implications later on based on the fact that this wasn't their real life. And it it both is a narrative choice to only show us this, these scenes, but that's also kind of all that Harry and Draco are seeing of their lives at this point in time as well. Um, so it is this kind of hyper-focus on the important because that's what the dream is kind of manifesting for them of this universe as well. Yeah, and I think one thing about that, like, I appreciated the the confidence with which it told this version of the story as someone who does not know the canon super well. Like, I read the books in a fevered week in eighth grade, and that is the last time <laughs> I touched them, and I have not seen all of the films, and what I have seen I saw out of order, so... Uh, the fan works and the general kind of fanish osmosis has been helpful for me in terms of recalling some things, but I think I might have been more confused if more time had been spent going over why something was different, because I think I noticed most of the important ones, um, but I'm sure there's stuff that <laughs> slipped by me. Probably. Yeah, 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 where Draco's like, whatever, Scarhead, and Harry's like, what? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, ho, he doesn't have a scar. <laughs> I know that one, <laughs> the scar, the lightning bolt. Mm-hmm. Uh, so stuff like that, like I definitely picked up, but I think it would have been harder to follow if my hands had been gripped more tightly by the author as I read. Yeah. I mean, I also, Nick, you mentioned that like Scarhead moment. I think this author did such a good job of starting slow and then ramping up the pace of the anomalies or not so much the anomalies because the whole universe is different, but I guess of the two of them noticing the anomalies, um, Like, there's a bit in sixth year where Harry, like, comes in on Draco in the bathroom and he's like, what's wrong? Like, who hurt you? But Draco's fine. And and both of them kind of hesitate um, because in the books, Harry did a really bad thing um, and, like, really (laughs) injured Draco permanently. You know, I did something bad. (laughs) (laughs) Why does it feel so good? Thank you. I'm sorry. (laughs) Hire me to redo all of the music in the Harry Potter movies. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh my god i don't know who would hire me for that ever <laughs> but hey I don't know, but I... if you're looking for a freelancer to replace all of the music in every harry potter film let me know so there are these moments where there are these incongruities and as they start increasing draco notices them more and more but harry kind of glosses over them and then as the years keep going like well past their school years they get married they have a kid it, it starts cutting off scenes like halfway through a sentence. And I thought that was so good. Like I thought the increase in tension and pace really like added to this, this sort of like you could feel the fic like drawing taut. And it was like, when was it going to snap? And then what what was that going to reveal? And so I thought this fic did that so well. 
Um, and also, just as a thing that hurt me personally, Brenna, and how you were saying that um, it's it's a narrative choice, but also it is sort of a reflection of the curse itself that they only get these snippets. When they wake up, uh, McGonagall is sort of interviewing them in the hospital wing. And she's like, how long were you in there for? And Draco says nine years in detail, like some more years beyond that. And Harry is incensed because he's like, it was 35 years. Like we were married. We had a kid. Nine years in detail doesn't even begin to cover it. That hit so hard. Oof. Yeah, when I first read the first chapter, the first time it cuts off a scene mid-sentence, like you get you get hints of like Draco being like something is wrong. Um and for me like the this is not a this is not an AU in the chapter 1 summary notes was definitely hanging over me as I was reading. Um but the first time a scene cuts off, my brain was like <laughs> whoops oh my gosh been there <laughs> like forgot to finish your sentence <laughs> embarrassing but that's okay um <laughs> then i was like oh no this author <laughs> did that super on purpose um and as it continues it becomes more and more deliberate and obvious until it's just like feverish like they are flying through scenes like the- draco is trying so hard until it comes to the end where he's basically begging harry to wake up he's like you're stronger than me like i need you to pay attention and like wake up and the thing that gets him is like your parents are dead this isn't real and like that's Mm -hmm. the thing finally to shock harry out of it enough that it ends but i was just oh that whole bit the first two chapters i reread pretty much immediately upon finishing the fic and there's so much in there but the Mm -hmm. first read was really really impactful because i i admit brenna had told us about a different harry potter fic that she read so I, the entire, spoilers for that fic, I don't remember the name, the entire time while I was reading this, I, there was one line where like Jeepers or whatever his name in the house elf like had a strange <laughs> expression flit over his face and I was like, the house elves are people. The house elves are people. <laughs> oh no, I am so sorry to have cursed you with the knowledge of that other fic. <laughs> they were not, they were just house elves and I was like, no, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Yeah, but I want to talk about, like, the way that we sort of start to find out about this world, like, not being the real, like, because, Nick, you said that the line, this is not an AU, was kind of, whole, like, hanging over your head as you read it. Yes. I will be honest, I forgot about that. Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, not in its entirety, but I wasn't actively waiting to see how they connected back, because, honestly, I was just, like, really enjoying the ride that this fic was taking me on. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were so many chapters that I was like, okay, well, it's gonna go somewhere else. Like, we've made it through yeah. the majority of Hogwarts in, like, a chapter and a half. Like, it's gonna go somewhere. But I wasn't really thinking about... The last four chapters are domestic fluff <laughs> with their kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um... Yeah, and, like, the additional tags on the fic um, are really interesting, too. Like, these are the ones that were actually hanging over me more, because it says, like, uh, so there's some tags. It's, like, friendship, friends, lovers, boy who lived, Neville. There's some weird stuff going on here, not gonna lie. All will become clear, I hope. But in the meantime, Draco and Harry make a birthday card. Part two, things become a little clearer. Curses. Part three, everything gets super sad, you're welcome. <laughs> and they were right. <laughs> That tag, the part three, everything gets super sad, you're welcome, <laughs> was really hanging over ah, me. Yeah. Um, I will admit, like, that this is not an AU hanging over me. I was still thinking about the house elves being people, to be honest. So some of the stuff that I, <laughs> oh, I saw, God, okay. I had misinterpreted <laughs> where it was going. <laughs> I was, like, hyper vigilant for house elf mentions. <laughs> Meanwhile, Brenna had, 
like, yelled about this fic test while she was reading it. And I did vaguely remember it enough to know enough to know that what was happening in the beginning was not real. Um, but I didn't like fully remember the context or whatever. So, mm-hmm. so it still mm-hmm. worked very well for me. Like I still was in suspense and like the twist still worked, but like, I did remember you talking about it and I was like, yeah, this is not reality. I wasn't really thinking about that at the beginning. And like, I just got so caught up in it that like the first few times that the like alternate universe dream curse kind of glitches, I didn't really think much of it. Like, I also just kind of was so ready to see what kept happening that I just kind of moved over it just the same way that the characters did. Like, I think I made a note of it this time, but I think one of my favorite ones is like when like Harry and Draco are kind of having uh, this fight about stuff and Draco's like, you don't get to control the whole world, much as I know you love to think it revolves around you. Perfect Potter with his perfect little gang and Dumbledore fawning all over you. Harry blinked. What are you talking about? I've barely spoken to Professor Dumbledore in my life. I... Draco's eyes went unfocused for a moment, and then he shook his head and glared at Harry. Whatever, you're so fucking full of yourself. My point is, <laughs> and like, I was just like, okay, yeah, and then just kind of kept reading. But I think that is the first one that like kind of caught my brain. Um, there are some earlier like little moments too, but I think that's the first one where I was really like, wait, yeah, like what? Um, and then they start to happen more and more of these, like, little instances of either kind of the simulation glitching almost, or, like, it will just stop and, like, jump to the next scene. And you can kind of tell, especially towards the end, that it's Draco causing this because Harry's happy. He doesn't really, like, notice anything wrong. He doesn't want to notice anything wrong. Um, but it's Draco who's like, this isn't right. Like, this isn't how it's supposed to be. Like, I there's something wrong here. Um, and I think that element of it is so good, too. Like, I just... Uh, Yeah, I just think that something I love is, like, even though it's this alternate universe where, like, they both get what they really, really want, um, there's still something about it that's just, like, not right for Draco in his head and that he's willing to kind of sacrifice this thing that was perfect to try and figure out what's real. Yeah, along with that, I feel like one reason it was compelling to me, especially that it was Draco who was noticing these things, was because Harry wanted his parents, who died before he was born. Draco wanted to make better choices of things mm-hmm. that actually happened. Like, I feel like Draco, I mean, this we, we find out in the fic, neither of them manifested this. They didn't will this into being. They were cursed. But if they had somehow manifested this new world, I feel like Draco would feel some measure of guilt about it. And Harry, there's not the same level of, like, trying to undo a mistake. He just wanted something that he didn't have. Um, Draco was trying to completely change around things that did happen and mistakes he did make and people that were hurt and things that were his fault. Um, that kind of hinges on that final moment, I guess, that like we really start to understand. Um, I guess, okay, this is my, I understood on the reread that Draco wanting to have made the best choices specifically was around killing Dumbledore and like that whole situation. Like, there's this understanding that Draco has a lot of regrets and he has a lot of guilt. And if anything, he almost should have more stake in this new world where he gets to be happy. Because the old world is bad for him. And we see a lot of that when they go back. I mean, it's not great for Harry either. They both got trauma out the wazoo. But, like, if anything, Draco should want to stay more. And I think it actually makes him incredibly sympathetic to me as a reader that he is willing to give it up to try and figure out what the hell is happening here. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. 
Well, I also wonder if part of the reason that Draco does notice and is willing to wake up is because um, I'm going to spoil also like another further twist in this fic. But yeah, um, in Hermione's quest to figure out like what was going on, they um, Hermione, Ron and Harry like put their memories into a pensive of the moment where Harry was cursed because he gets hit with a curse and it rebounds off of like a statue of armor and it hits Draco as well. But it was only meant for him. And then as Hermione keeps like playing it back over, she realizes that actually Draco was supposed to be the victim of the curse and Harry was the one who got caught up in it. And so I wonder if also part of the reason why Draco was more willing to claw his way out of it is because I think even though the curse would have fed him like an alternate reality that he wanted, I think it would have been more difficult because part of like what he says in both the dream and also later to Harry is like, in this world, all things that are difficult get smoothed over. He's like, it's not real. Like, that's not how things work. And I, I just wonder if even Cursed Draco being given exactly what he wanted, his version of that is still him having to fight for it and work through that guilt and have things not go well. Mm-hmm. And I think because mm-hmm. things went perfectly, because Harry was also there, like, manifesting this dual dream curse reality for them, that that was also the thing that shook him out of it. If that makes sense. <laughs> I know. I, I think it definitely does. And I think it's a really good point, too, because it's like, it was intended to sort of only be a dream for Draco and... Like, there's intention behind the curse, but then what the curse actually manifests as, like, is created by the people in it. So if it was just Draco, it would have played out differently because it wouldn't have involved Harry so intrinsically. And it wouldn't have involved everything with, like, Harry and his parents. And I think, yeah, you're right, that there probably is some fundamental part of him that's like, this isn't exactly right. With Where for Harry, I think... I think also Harry has always had this sort of, like... He doesn't look at the good things too closely because I think he hasn't had very many of them. So he's unwilling to examine them too closely where I think Draco like is more cynical about them and like does look at them closely. And so I think where Harry like because something is so good, he's willing to just go along with it, even if somewhere deep, deep down he knows it's not right. Um, Where Draco, I think as a character is more willing to kind of be nitpicky about stuff. Well, now I'm just thinking about the line from the summary that is... Just because it's not called the Mirror of Erezed doesn't mean you shouldn't know better. Mm-hmm. So, in this fic, a lot of things happen. Like, a lot of things happen. <laughs> you uh, could say specifically, that. Yes. Specifically in chapters three through epilogue. Uh, but <laughs> also in chapters one and two in a different way. Um, but at the beginning of chapter four, there is a fairly long section that discusses a plan that they have made as like Harry and Draco and Hermione and Ron and all of them and they present it to Professor McGonagall and they're basically like hey we think this has to do with the manor the Malfoy manor Wiltshire as you may know it by Uh, we gotta we gotta go over Christmas we're just gonna go and check this out Uh, it doesn't take a lot of convincing to be honest McGonagall's like all right good luck out there kids uh, well, she she does like tell them to leave it to the adults, but that's not really how uh, the Harry Potter books work, I don't think. Um, which is sort of another reason it is so uncanny in the earlier chapters that the adults kind of do handle things and the kids just kind of hide and stay safe. Wow, it's so sad that that was like weird. Anyway, at the beginning of chapter <laughs> four, to Harry's have... trauma. <laughs> I know, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we get a lot of exposition, like a lot of 
talking about how they had spent time thinking about the curse and talking it over and trying to make plans and coming up with theories and going back and forth on stuff and going to the manor and getting settled there and like all this stuff. There is a lot of beef there. That could have been its own chapter by itself, honestly. Um, but the author decided not to do that, which thank you, author. I think that was the right move. At the same time, though, that exposition could have been way shorter and it was not. And I was really fascinated. I read it like three times just about how that like worked logistically because almost all of the time I want either much more or much less exposition from a really really plot dense fic at points. I think it's very hard to write an entire plot heavy fic and not have moments where the exposition is just off balance but this felt so perfect to me because it intercut scenes in the present of them driving up onto the manor um, Harry seeing it kind of with fresh eyes after he had gotten to know it so well under the effects of the curse. And it intercuts that with flashbacks and with just straight narrative exposition. Um, just saying they were working on it and they figured it out and this is what they learned and this is how they said it. Um, and that element of balance made so much sense. I appreciated how much detail we got because I think it set up the rest of the chapter really well. And it meant that we didn't need later exposition. They were like, okay, let's find like that object that you were talking about. And that we, by the time they are inside of the manor, are on the same page as the characters. And I think that that was a really, really, really good choice. And it was a really good way to do it. Um, I was fascinated by this fic and the amount of forward momentum that it managed to carry. Uh, even during just kind of rote conversations, people are doing things. People are coming to realizations at the same time as someone else is like trying on an old coat that fits them in such and such way and that adds to their characterization like there's there's this adage in writing that every line should either develop character or further the plot and in this fic many of these lines did both and that oh boy it made me feel so many things as I was reading it. I just like, I felt like I had to read some lines like three or four times just to pull out every single thing the author wanted me to get from them. And it wasn't that they were like these big fancy dramatic metaphors. There really wasn't a lot of like flowery writing in here. A lot of it was fairly to the point. It was descriptive, but it was descriptive without trying to make some grand point about the author's command over language um, and somehow still managed to... <laughs> very easily display the author's command over language so I just wanted to talk about the fact that exposition is obscenely difficult and this is one of my favorite ways that fic has handled having to give a lot of it to a reader yeah I think it's excellent because not only does it keep the reader incredibly engaged um and it keeps us sort of at pace with its characters in a really expert way it also, all of those things are helping us understand Harry better because he's our POV character here. And um, Harry, at points in like the canon books and in fic, has a tendency to be a bit of an unreliable narrator because the way he sees himself and the way he sees the world is often really different from other characters. And it's not like he's intentionally lying to us, the the reader, but... Sometimes it's hard to understand what's really going on with him and, like, then also kind of with the world because he's not looking at it too closely because he doesn't want to look at it too closely, I think, is kind of a central Harry characterization often. Um, and so I think, like, 
in chapters three and four in particular, uh, once they sort of get back from their like dream curse world and are trying to readjust, um, there are often these scenes where like everything seems to be going okay and then it will all just kind of fall apart because everything that Harry's been trying not to think about regarding like the dream world comes rushing back in and one of them will kind of make a mistake. And I want to get back into that later because I think that's like, oh my god, it's my favorite thing about like this fic with this pairing. But I was thinking particularly in terms of the part Nick was discussing where they're heading towards the manor for the first time. I think the writing works so well because by showing us both sort of what's actively happening in the present of them um, heading up towards the sort of decrepit manner um, and Harry's flashbacks, this perfect, wonderful, like just sparkling um, homey manner of his like dream world past where like that's where they lived. Um, it really helps us understand Harry's like mental space better, I think too, because in chapter three, the one before this, like a lot of the time we don't really understand what's happening in Harry's head. Like we understand that he's not doing too hot um, and that he's struggling with this a lot. But like this one, we're like, oh, wow. Like these memories are really present and really active for him. Like 24 seven kind of. And like these lines between these two worlds are really blurry. Um, and not just when he's like encountering Draco and their mannerisms and like affection towards each other, but like with his surroundings and maybe less so at Hogwarts, but like now it comes into really like stark relief when confronted with like the two versions of the manor, the one from his memory or like the one from his dream memories and the one from real life. And like Draco and Harry have such different reactions driving up to the manor because, because like so much of Harry's memories of the manor are from his, like, dream curse world, where it was this perfect home for them. And so many more of Draco's are from his, like, real life, where it's the center of all of his drama. Um, not all of it, but, like, a big portion of it. Just uh, some of so... his trauma. Hmm? Just some of his trauma. Yeah. Well, he's then got I plenty to go around. Right? Yeah. He's got, he's got a lot of different trauma, unfortunately. <laughs> um... But yeah, I just thought that that was so well handled and I really appreciated kind of us getting to go a little bit deeper into Harry's head and like gain this bigger understanding of how things are playing out for him um, that was a little bit disguised earlier, I think, just because of the nature of his character. Yeah. And just thinking about like when they're in the manor and how that sort of really throws into relief where Harry's head is at and, and how these memories and this uh, dream world are playing into things. Um, we mentioned that it is Draco, Ron, Hermione, Harry, but also when they get there, there's a group of five Slytherins because Draco's been writing to Pansy and Pansy's like, I'm not letting you do this with a bunch of useless Gryffindors. Um, and things are like hostile and tense between the whole group. But, you know, there's a night where they're all hanging around drinking and the Slytherins are like sharing some of their stories and Harry keeps chiming in. He's like, oh yeah, like when Millie, like blah, blah, blah. And they're like, since when the fuck does Harry Potter call Millicent Bolstrode Millie? Like, yeah. but he, and, and there are things that like Harry doesn't know. They keep making a reference to the chair thing. And he's like, what is the chair thing? And Draco's like, drop it. Um, so it's not like he knows everything, but not only is he sort of leading around his friends, like around the manor, like, oh, like kitchen's through here. This is through here. But he's also chiming in on the Slytherin's conversation as though he has been part of these memories that he hasn't. And everyone apart from Draco is like, this is really fucking weird, which does make sense. I think it is very valid that Hermione and Ron and the Slytherins are like, what the fuck is this? But also, um, as Ginny brings up later, 
I think there's like an interesting, I don't want to say lack of compassion, but there is a sense from the other characters that they just keep looking at Harry and Draco behaving weirdly and they're like, what the fuck is going on? I don't think any of them realize like how deeply this curse is still with them. They're all just like, this is really strange. Like you're not supposed to be flirting with Draco Malfoy and not like, oh, you thought you lived like 25 years in this manner. Yeah, it is interesting. And I think, you know, it was kind of frustrating for me at parts to kind of watch Hermione be so um, like methodical with just figuring out what happened to Harry, but not really necessarily like trying to understand the emotional side of it. But I think it also makes sense too, because honestly, like so many terrible, horrible things have happened to Harry and they're all kind of brushed off. And like a lot of the times by him, um, And, like, I think there is sort of this just this mentality of, like, okay, well, that was fucked up, but, like, we just have to fix it magically. Like, we have to fix the curse. We have to get rid of the curse for good and, like, figure out who cast it and then we'll just be able to move on to the next thing. And I think this is kind of Harry's breaking point of being, like, it's not okay to just kind of move on from everything without actually dealing with it. Um, And, like, throughout the fic, you just kind of get this horrible realization of how deeply unhappy he's been. Um... Because, like, there's this horrible moment where, like, Draco and Harry get in this, like, fist fight, um, like, after they've both woken up, and afterwards Ron is like, Harry, like, that was the happiest I've seen you in ages, even though, like, they were, like, beating each other up, and you just, like, realize moment after moment, like, how unhappy Harry has been in his life, and, like, it all sets up for, like, the final kind of scene, which is, oh my god, truly agonizing. I don't know if I can get there quite yet, but, like, I just, it really was kind of affecting to realize how, yeah, just, like, miserable Harry has been, um, and how you have these moments where he just wants this happiness that he had in the dream world so badly. Um, okay, there were kind of two quotes that I pulled that I think are related to this that I wanted to kind of read really quick because they were agonizing to me personally. Um, There's a moment kind of late on in the fic when they're like at the manor where they all go ice skating and Harry's like gone and found them all ice skates out of this like cupboard that he remembers existing and he finds the pair that like he had in the dream world that like Draco had given him as a gift Um, and he's like kind of wondering to himself how they can exist, um, like, what they were in Draco's, like, original life that allowed them to be in the dream world as well. And here it goes, Hermione would have one if he asked. Uh, Harry was sure they would be unused skates or ones that Draco had received and converted into a present for Harry somehow deep in the curse. He didn't ask. He wanted every gift the house would give him. And I was like, I can't actually handle this emotionally. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, ADMI. I will be moving on. I I will I just have to keep going and not focus too deeply on this because I will have a breakdown. Um, and then also there was a scene a little bit earlier. I can't remember exactly when it happened, but kind of in one of these, like Harry and Draco kind of start to have these like little stolen moments where they allow themselves to pretend basically, and they're all horrible, and I uh, feel deeply affected by them. But there's a bit where it goes. It was fine, anyway. Harry knew now, the game that they were playing, the risk that they were taking. That while there was no one around to tell them that the curse hadn't been real, they didn't have to tell each other. That they could pass the blame for the curse off, not to themselves where it really belonged, or even the wizards from whom it had originated, but to their friends for being startled and unused to Draco. And, like, I... Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. It's so good. And, like, you just... (sighs) These compounding 
factors of kind of realizing how much Harry, like, wants to still exist in this world. Not just Harry, Draco too, but, like, we kind of get it more intimately from Harry. Um, and, like, that alongside realizing how unhappy he was, like, there's all these moments where he realizes how miserable he looked in the pensive memories or, like, people will comment to him about, like, not having seen him kind of, like, smile. He'll realize he's, like, has been such a jerk about stuff. Um, together with sort of, like, this moment of realization that they're kind of just pushing it back out onto everyone else because, like, they can't handle trying to deal with it themselves is, like... Also, though, like, even just that bit, like, what you were reading, there is this sense from so many other people that the fact that they are not able to just snap out of it and move on is a personal failing. Like, yeah, not to get into, like, emotions, but there's so (laughs) much, like, invalidation happening all the time. Like, Harry is holding a second life in his head and his second life is so much happier than his first like he is suffering a legitimate loss and there's no room or space to grieve that not that harry potter ever gets room or space to grieve anything but (laughs) if he if he ever did like jesus christ wouldn't this be the time and the fact is like draco seems to be the only one who most of the time isn't holding it against him um, yeah. and gives him these opportunities to pretend. There's one I pulled I pulled a quote. <laughs> I pulled a few quotes this time. I never do that. Astounding. Um, yeah, but this one I think was the one that hit me the most. Um, it reads, Draco yawned against Harry's shoulder, pressed a light kiss there. Hair, he mumbled, and Harry obediently lifted his head, tucked his growing hair under his cheek so it didn't tickle Draco's nose. Draco yawned again and said through it, voice thick, score okay? Harry's chest hurt. He's fine, he said. Go back to sleep. So you have, like, half awake Draco asking after their son that it was never real. Like, yeah. And it's so, it's just, like, I don't think there was a lot of opportunity for Harry to really, like, accept and understand the unfairness of it all outside of himself, if that makes sense. That, like, it is in a way cosmically unfair that this has happened to him and toward the end he has a lot of thoughts of like i suffered so much i gave up so much like what do i have to do to earn happiness like this like haven't i done it haven't i done enough um and i think that is the question that gets at a lot of this fic and that is the question that was hanging over a lot of these moments for me of pretending because it's just harry asking over and over and over like don't i deserve this even if it's not real like don't i deserve to still have even just the glimmers, the remnants of something that was very good. Yeah, and I think it's kind of offset by Draco, who doesn't believe that he deserves to have it, but who still, like, desperately wants it. And those are the kind of the conflicting forces that come to a head at the end when they have to kind of confront the wizards who, like, cast this curse on them and and make a kind of horrible decision. Um, Because, yeah, we have exactly what Nick just said, like, Harry, who is kind of left with, like, what else do I have to do in this fucked up world to like earn happiness and Draco who knows that he didn't make the decisions in this world that would have allowed him some amount of happiness. So Brenna earlier when you were like I'm just not emotionally ready to talk about the ending um, Mm -hmm. I don't know that I ever will emotionally be ready to talk about it but I think we have to. um, I think we have to. Jesus Let's dismiss our own feelings of unreadiness and just jump right into it for the sake of other people. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So they've been ruminating on this curse and, like, the people who have cast it, and there was, like, a cryptic note left for them. 
Um, and as a group, they feel like they've more or less figured out a lot of the pieces, but they don't have, like, the full picture. And then Hermione sort of has this realization that, like, oh, like, the curse sort of centers around pivotal days and Harry's, like, Christmas Eve, like, today. And so they very quickly um, apparate to Malfoy Manor, which is on fire. Um, and basically they all go charging into the basement, into the heart, the soul of the house. And there are the brother and sister who are the um, wizards who cast the curse on Draco and Harry. And these wizards want Harry and Draco, or at least one of them, to stay in the curse because it will feed them power. And they keep saying, they're like, we're not going to do anything bad with it. We're just scientists. We're just interested in discovery. And as they're in this room with like the heart of the house and the house burning around them they bring up a veil and through the veil harry can see the curse world that they lived in and they're like if you go through there everything you want it's all back you get it all back and harry comes so close so close so he goes up to this veil and he's examining it and he's like if you make an unbreakable vow to draco that you won't do anything bad with the magic like with the power that i give you then I'll do it. And Draco's like, Harry, you can't do this. And Hermione and Ron are sort of watching from the top of the steps. Hermione's crying, like distantly. Harry realizes Hermione is crying, but he doesn't care. And he just sort of keeps talking like past Draco. And Draco is pleading with him. He's like, please don't make me do this. Harry goes, it taught you to be brave. You don't need it anymore. Like he he makes all of these comments and he is like the unbreakable vow starts like Draco, even as he's sobbing and is like, I don't want to do this does he is willing to make this vow for harry if harry wants to go into this like veil this dream world because draco wants to make the brave choice yeah it's horrible (laughs) and the way that he gets harry back it's a long bit i'm not gonna read the whole thing but he starts by going we can't have it i'm always going to have been a death eater your parents are always going to be dead and so is sirius black and remus lupin and fred weasley and Harry's looking at him and he's looking at Draco's gaunt face, the way that it's it's never happy, the way that it had been in their dream world. And he's like looking back to the veil where he can see Scorpius and everything he's ever wanted. And Draco's like, we can't be childhood sweethearts. We can't have that weird, lovely life where everything was good and we always knew the right thing to do. We can have something else, Draco said. And he held out his free hand to Harry. And I'm just launching myself into the sun immediately. I was just in pieces. Yep. Yeah, because it's like this whole time there's been this tension between like both of them so much wanting what was in that dream world and giving themselves these like kind of moments towards the later part of this fic where they're like kind of allowed to pretend and allowed to exist in that space and allowed to kind of forget like the real world is the real world. This is the first time that there's kind of a proposition to like create something between them that's new like it was always either like we're in the real world where we're enemies and we hate each other or we're in the dream world where like we grew up together and are in love and like uh it's just agonizing that like they hadn't even really let themselves consider this prospect of like can we build something in the real world together that will make us happy even if it's not the perfect like happiness of the dream world and that's not to say that bad things didn't happen in the dream world they both still experienced trauma it just like was mitigated by the thing the things that they had that they didn't have in the real world and so now they're having to confront like can we build a happiness and it's um horrible actually and i do have to leave I wrote myself a note, like, at one point in here, and I said, I'm in hell actually rereading this was a terrible choice. I'm in agony, and I know from personal experience that it's only going to get worse. 
(laughs) Which is how I felt for like half of my reread. Well, also like that moment was so tense and fraught and horrible. And I did have the thought like, quite honestly, like if Harry had made the choice to step through the veil, I wouldn't have hated that. Like, I love the way that the fic went. And I think it is one, the more like, quote unquote, fic way to do it. Like, it is sort of the resolution of everything. Um, But the like, God, I don't know that fucked up thing of like, here's everything you wanted nice and neat and happy. Everyone that you love is alive and you get to have everything you ever wanted. And like, the way that Harry has sort of already given himself to it, that he's talking past Draco, that he's not listening to his friends. I was kind of like, honestly, if he steps through and makes this choice and that's where the fic ends, like, it would be fucking bold, but I would kind of be into it. Like, I like the way it ended so much, but I don't know. I just think it is such a credit that like, I was like, oh my God, I can feel Harry's palpable want. And I almost also kind of want this like fucked up choice for him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because he says out loud. I've already saved the world. Mm -hmm. Like, what else does he have to do, you know? What else does he have to give? And, like, I think that the way it was written, like, it, this fig needed it to be Draco telling Harry, we can stay here and we can build something good. Because I think the thing that Draco lost and the thing that Harry lost were so different that I think, Mm. weirdly, it kind of flipped their perspectives on the real world of Draco realizing mm-hmm. that he can make better choices and that he can make braver choices and that he can be he doesn't have to be completely defined but what by what happened to him in his childhood because he has seen himself making different choices and even just the seeing of that could make him slightly more optimistic about the future if regretful about the past but Harry can't get his parents back he never knew them um, there's a whole conversation about like whether the parents that he met in this world like were even slightly real if they were an amalgamation of what other people told him and his own faintest memories from when they were alive. But I think in many ways that would make Harry more cynical coming back into this world. Like it almost changes um, and and flips things over on itself. Um, I also did want to read another line, um, if I may. Uh, my caption and my notes was all caps, all one word, Harry Potter, baby. Uh, I was feeling a lot of feelings. I was like, is this, is this like, is this why people like, like him? Um, because <laughs> as they're, uh, as they're in this final standoff with Helena and James for like the evil wizards or whatever, they're not like you, they're trying to steal the magic, you know, the ones that did the curse, um. Uh, they're in this final standoff and they're about to like fire off these spells um and it's like and they were quick but they weren't as quick as harry whose parents had died who had been brought to magic late and hungry who had fought off a dark lord nearly every year of his teenage life and had led a war and won it and killed the man who killed his parents and i was like harry potter baby (laughs) yeah (laughs) it was so triumphant it's interesting because i think like these are the reasons why harry is a compelling character but like Honestly, I never gave a shit about Harry Potter as a character until I like got into <laughs> fan fiction. Like, it's a classic example for me of like how people in fandom are better at articulating what a character is about than like the person who actually like came up with and originally wrote the character. Like, fandom's portrayal of Harry and like who he is and why his story is a compelling one is so much more worth it to me. And like, it's exactly stories like this one that like have me kind of losing my shit about it. <laughs> 
I think one thing that's always kind of interesting to me is like seeing an author's sort of justification for pairing these two characters together because like yeah obviously it's an immensely popular fandom ship and like some authors just kind of go off that but I think a lot of the time there has to be some reasoning for putting them together because you know it's that classic like enemies to whatever uh (laughs) whatever progression you go on from there um kind of journey but I think something that comes back a lot in various fics I've read and I think is pretty key here is like there's some part of Draco that's always been envious of Harry being allowed to make the right choice in some way like Draco's always kind of felt like he wasn't uh, even allowed to almost like by the world by circumstance by his family by whatever else and I think this fic does a really good job of kind of using their friendship in the dream world and then their later relationship as empowering to Draco um and showing like why why that would have changed their lives because I think that there's this conversation that happens at the beginning of the fic and is a kind of a play on a conversation that happens like in the beginning of like the first Harry Potter book where Drake was basically like you're you were supposed to have been my friend um and I think that that's honestly like kind of a defining point in like Draco's characterization like that's kind of why he hates Harry so much because Harry is like allowed to be the hero and allowed to do the right thing and Draco's constantly being like put to these terrible things he knows is wrong but then some people are telling him they're right and then when he does them they're still wrong to other people and like he can never kind of get it right he can never make the right choice um so I don't know yeah I just thought that this fic did a really good job of that and I think that that's kind of a key reason to why like at the end yeah Draco thinks he can make the right choices in the future now because he's seen himself do it but he also knows that like he'll be able to do it better if it's with Harry oh oh Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because, like, I read the fifth chapter where all of this goes down and there's the big climactic moments and we finish out with them just, like, leaving, basically. And um, they have Christmas with, like, the Weasleys and that's a whole thing. But I was, like, so curious as to how the epilogue was going to end because I really didn't know. Like, there's so much story here. Like, I was feeling anxious on the author's behalf of, like, how is this going (laughs) to wrap up? Like, where do you stop? Because so much of it is about the the tension between the real life and this kind of cursed life that they lived and like that doesn't just go away so I was like what the what like because if it ends with them just kind of like happy family oh we're so happy to be in the real world now like that would have been kind of a bummer I would have been like eh um and then you know if they'd like gone back on it and found a way to bring back the fake world and like gone into it or something that would have been pretty wild too so Um, I was really wondering and I think what I loved about the epilogue is that a lot of it felt kind of mundane Um, they're just kind of like finishing up school and like hanging out and talking to each other and uh, being with Harry's friends and Draco's friends and this kind of like very casual closeness that they've developed it happens over like a couple of months like it's a whole it's definitely a wind down and I was like all right what's the last scene gonna be um And I wasn't expecting it because the very, very, very last scene of this is they see Millicent, um, who arguably my favorite character in this fic, she rules. Uh, (laughs) There's no Oliver Wood to love, so I had to accept (laughs) Millicent as my second favorite. Um, And like she featured in so many of the early memories in the fic that I think as a reader, I hadn't even really realized that she wasn't in any of the present day stuff there was like a little I think there was like one or two mentions of her but 
she never showed up. She never talked to Harry. It was never any of that. So she appears um, and it's just like, hello. Uh, and Harry says, Mill, and throws himself at her. And the very, very, very last line of the fic is her going, I'm so sorry. Have we made an acquaintance? And I was like, ah! because I think somehow it was perfect. That I'm sorry, Reed, who's going to have to listen to that in editing and also all of you. Piglets. It was perfect. That's the noise I wanted to make inside <laughs> my soul. <laughs> yeah, it just came out. Uh, well, I, technically it was on an inhale, but uh, <laughs> I just... I absolutely love that there was this winding down that they got to you, you get to see how their lives can be just a little bit happier and a little bit better with having each other and at the same time they're never going to be able to completely let go of the blur that they experienced between the life that they led as kids and the life that they were led to believe that they desperately wanted um, and that they lived and so I think for me, just that barest hint of confusion was enough for me to accept the happy ending without thinking it was a cop out. Like, I'll, I believe mm -hmm. it. I buy it. I'm in. It's happy. And there's going to be times like this where he feels like a fool and has to experience that loss all over again. But it's not as bad. And that's obviously not the worst <laughs> confusion that could happen. Awkward, certainly. We don't get to see what happened immediately after he threw himself at her. I'm sure that was a little weird, but... I think for me, it just worked so, so, so well. And I was really glad that was the choice the author made. Yeah, I think that was so satisfying because so much of the fic, like I was here for honestly how kind of fucked up it was, like the moments where Draco and Harry are pretending or the moments where they forget that they're not pretending that like, I don't know, the first moment where Draco like slides in by Harry's side at the Great Hall and they kind of have to have the realization like there are all these moments that are just so like tense and fraught. And I liked that the ending felt earned in the sense like there's like the symbolism of like Malfoy Manor burning down and then like okay what do they build from there like what relationship are they building and I think that mundaneness of it was the right way to do it that like this is the new normal they're building for themselves and they've earned it and you as the reader feel like you've earned it too Thank you so much for joining us on this special episode for my birthday. Um, I know it's a little different to just do the one fic, but we had a lot of fun and it's a joy to get to discuss something a little bit longer. So I hope you folks enjoyed it as well. Um, if you like Fic Click and want to uh, engage with us on other platforms, you can find us on social media at Fic Click on Twitter and Tumblr. Um, you can also join our Discord server. It's really fun. Um, a lot of people talking about fic, their favorite media, shows, books movies, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so you can find a link to join that on our Twitter profile as well. If you like the pod, we would really, really appreciate it if you would reach out to your friends, let them know about it, maybe retweet some of our stuff on Twitter, um, all that kind of thing. Word of mouth is really the best way that we can grow our pod and get new listeners. And also, it would help us out a bunch if you could leave us a review um, on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts, if there is a review option, it would really mean a lot to us um, if you would do that. We also have merch. Um, we have some wonderful merch designed by Brenna, which is up on Redbubble, and you can find the link to that on our Twitter. Our next episode is coming out on February 5th, and it is my birthday episode! Woo! <laughs> Woo! Brenna and I stack birthdays, and then we have to wait another, like, six months for a read episode, but that's okay. Yeah. It's like you get a They're lot at once. They're conveniently, like, a approximately two weeks apart, which is a perfect length for between podcast episodes. It's pretty good, actually. 
yeah, so I will be bringing one fic that we're going to be discussing for the entirety of the episode. Yeehaw! Um, the fic that I'm bringing is actually my first bookmark on AO3. Um, it's called... Oh my God. I know, right? Uh, yeah, I bookmarked it in uh, 2016. So I wasn't really using bookmarks before that, but you know, not bad. Uh, it's called The River and the Deep Green Bend by Liquid Measure. It is for the fandom One Direction banned RPF. I know, we're going back, baby. Um, it is a Nile slash Harry AU. Technically, it is an AU of the series The Dark Tower. Uh, as someone who has never read or like seen anything related to The Dark Tower, you don't need it. But hey, if you know it, get stoked. Um, and my bookmark note reads, I would literally go to war for this fic. I would do it. So please <laughs> anticipate it. I'm really excited to finally get to talk about this fic. It's 70k, so I wouldn't have gotten to bring it otherwise. Um, yeah, hope you come and join us for that discussion as well. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next time. Bye! Bye.